Japanese are getting closer and closer to him. And God is frantically pulling his hair out. No. And a submarine periscope cops out of the water at the very last moment. And George H.W. Bush is rescued. Do you think for a moment in time God was freaking out or forgot to breathe while he was watching it play out? Or do you think he was just sitting there smiling because he knew? Weeping as George W. Bush freaked out a little bit. But he had it all in complete control and there was no doubt George H.W. Bush was going to be the president. You see, folks, when we go through life, we have some moments that might freak us out. I don't know if anyone's been shot down out of the sky in the Pacific. I haven't. I've had some fairly traumatizing moments in my life which seemed like that, seemed to be destined for absolute destruction, and guess what? They weren't. I've had some things happen in my life that, that at the time I would have promised I would never want to go through again, but when I look back now, I would do them all again because they were part of God's perfect providential plan. The all-powerful, almighty creator, redeemer, and sustainer of the universe has a plan which he will execute to perfection. Now, you may say, well, what about free will? Does that mean if George H.W. Bush wanted to kill himself, he couldn't kill himself because he had to be president? It's a ridiculous question. You know why? He was going to be president. He wouldn't kill himself. You see, here's the problem. Free will and God's sovereignty, God's providence, are not mutually incompatible. We just can't relate them from our limited perspective. How can, how can God know everything and we have free choice within God's sovereignty and providence? I don't know, but I know we do. Whenever the Bible talks about God's sovereignty and providence, it's always given to comfort us. So when you go through difficult situations, you lose a loved one, you lose a job, you sit in a long waiting period. We're going to talk about all these things in the coming weeks because Joseph had all that go on too. You should find great comfort in those times. I didn't say great happiness, but great comfort. You know why? Because God allowed it to happen for a perfect reason. Why did Joseph end up being sold into slavery? Was there a reason? Well, yeah, you know the end of the story, don't you? Remember my midweek thought this week? Life, life would be better uh, read in Hebrew. See, I should have brought a Hebrew Bible. We go on a timeline... I could never teach an exercise class. From left to we go on a timeline, okay, from left to right. Is that right? Yeah. But if you could see it from right to left, wow, it makes a whole lot more sense. I just gave you an overview of Joseph's life. Guess what you can do? You can look at it from right to left. Wow, it makes sense. You can look at the life of Jesus from right to left. Wow, it makes sense. You can look at the life of everybody in the Bible from right to left. Wow, it makes sense. Now put yourself in a moment of time. In the back of a, uh, of a camel on your way to Egypt. God, why? Fair question. Guess what? God doesn't always tell you why. Put yourself tending some camels in the wilderness and call yourself Moses and you're there for a long time. God, why? Well, God doesn't tell you why. Or put yourself in Paul's shoes and you're in, on the road to Damascus. You come to faith through this amazing experience and then you go to Arabia and you get stuck there for three years. God, why? God doesn't always say why. Look at your life. Anything going on right now? Or going to be going on coming in the future? And you want to say, hey God, what's going to happen with this? God, why? And God doesn't say anything. You know why? You, you can't handle the why. What movie is that from? That, uh, <laughs> we can't handle the why. I look at my life and, and how, just even the little moment of how God moved Laura and myself 
from Chicago to here, if he, if he explained the whole thing, I would be in a catatonic state in some mental institution never to leave again. But now, oh, okay, I see why. There's great comfort to be found in God's sovereignty and providence with one stipulation which we're going to talk about in a minute. But don't ever think that sovereignty and providence are an excuse for free will, folks, because we function, we make real choices that have real, consequence, real consequences for which we're held accountable. Okay? Sovereignty and providence are a tremendous comfort when you understand this final truth. God is good. You see, there's nothing that demands God had to be or has to be good. God can be a mean, vindictive deity if he so chose. Nothing you can do about it. There's no uh, election every fortillion millennia where you get to select a new deity. It's, it's God. And if God was some nasty deity, we would be in big trouble because if God is sovereign and God is providential, and God happened to be sadistic, wow, life would really stink. But God is completely good, and God is completely good all the time. And I think that's something that we often forget, which we can never forget, and one of the primary things we need to learn through the life of Joseph. The Bible is full of explanations of God's goodness. Anything you read in the Bible is bathed in the goodness of God. Why did God send Jesus? Because he loved us? I mean, does it get much better than that? Is, that? is that a good God or what? Why did God create us? Because he wanted a being to be in a love relationship with him. Everything that God does is based on goodness. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Jeremiah 29.11. I shouldn't have to turn there. That's a memory verse. Anyone know that memory verse? Jeremiah 20. Mm-hmm. Plan, basically, to paraphrase this, plans for goodness, plans for peace. He wants to prosper us. He doesn't want to hurt us. That's a good God, isn't it? Everything God does is based in goodness. Well, sometimes when we live on the timeline in a spot, if we're honest with ourselves, we might question how good God really is. No? If God's real, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You're shackled to the back of a camel in a hot desert. To me, that, that's an absolute nightmare. Okay? Take me to the Siberian gulag. But in the, in the back of a camel in a hot desert, and you're saying, God's good. Ah, look, ooh, stepped in camel poop. God's good. God is just great, right? Well, guess what? He is. What happens is that we don't understand God's ways because God's plans are not our plans. His ways are not our ways. They greatly surpass ours. So why do things happen in our lives? We're going to dig deeply into this next week. But for now, suffice to say, because God is good. Why did God allow Jesus, or why did it please God for Jesus to die? Because God is good. That is not a contradiction. That is a fact. Understand this. Take these three truths. And sit, think about them this week. Read the Bible and press them. And this is one thing I really want you to do in preparation for next week. Next week we're going to stretch. We're not going to stand up and put our arms out and stretch that way. We're going to spiritually stretch our minds. And my hope is that every one of you is extraordinarily uncomfortable while we stretch. Because we're going to open up some cans that make us pretty uneasy. But if we don't open them up and see what's in them, we can't fully understand how good God really is. But for this week, suffice to say, God is sovereign. Do you understand what that means? 
God is in absolute control of everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen in every single person's life. God doesn't run around frantically throughout creation trying to tend to things. Like, like some, uh, I don't even know, like someone. But he doesn't run around, oh, i got to get to this, oh, i got to this, send an angel there, send an angel there, oh my gosh. Like we get to heaven and God is some frazzled, gray-haired man with a huge bald patch on the top. You know, he got a little, little out of shape along the eons of creation. No. You will be amazed at how, how completely relaxed and joyful God is when we enter into his presence fully. He's not frantically out of control. It's not like he's, he wakes up, I got three miracles in me today. I can't do a fourth. We've got to somehow control this. Or I'm going to pass out. This is all going to tumble out of control. No, he's got it. God is in complete control. And not only that, God has a perfect plan. You ever wake up in the morning and have a plan for how your day would go and it doesn't quite go that way? Well, that doesn't happen to God. God never wakes up and has his day planned out and executing all the stuff. And then it's like, whoops, this didn't work. That dang free will messed up my plan. Oh, look at George Bush flying in the Pacific. Oh, man, what are we going to do now? Scramble, scramble. No, God wakes up. He has a perfect plan that will never be changed. And the beauty of those two facts is they're bathed in, in God's goodness. God is completely good whether you want to believe it or not. When God frustrates us, God is completely good. We just don't completely trust. C.S. Lewis, this will be the next week's sermon, but C.S. Lewis said when, when he got to heaven, he expected two of his first words would be, of course. When he turned around and looked down the timeline backwards, hang on to that thought, because I guarantee the same will be true for us. But Joseph understood God's sovereignty, providence, and goodness, and guess what that meant? He was a victor and not a victim. We live in a victim-minded society. Maybe you didn't grow up in a good home. Maybe your parents were not great parents. Maybe you had absentee parents. Maybe your siblings didn't like you very much. Maybe you didn't do well in school and, and no one helped you in school. You had no help with your homework. Maybe no one ever taught you about God and now you're way behind the eight ball trying to catch up on all things spiritual. Maybe you never had a lot of friends growing up or maybe you had too many of the wrong type of friends growing up, right? Maybe you never got to college because you didn't have the ability financially, intellectually, whatever, and you feel like it's an unfair disadvantage. Or maybe you got to college and you made some bad choices in college, which you still live with even to this day. After college, maybe life didn't turn out just how you wanted. Maybe, maybe everyone didn't do just what you thought or hoped they would do. And, and maybe it had nothing to do with you. Well, in the American mindset, that means that we should be a victim. It's not fair. You see, because if I grew up in a good family with good money who cared about me and loved me and I could just get a couple breaks along the way, I'd work out just, life would have worked out just fine for me. Well, if you don't think you grew up in a good family, I'd like to introduce you over the coming weeks to a man named Joseph who had it, oh, just a little worse, unless your siblings tried to kill you and sell you into slavery. If you think you had some bad parental structure to your house, maybe an absentee parent, well, let's put four parent figures, five parent figures in the house with a preferential one, with preferential kids, and all sorts of chaos that comes from that. If you think that you didn't get breaks along the way, you ever been sold into slavery by your peers, forget about college, how about prison? Anyone ever get abandoned in prison for no reason? Joseph could have been a perfect victim. He didn't get a whole lot of lucky breaks through life. In fact, he had been dealt a bad hand by the looks of it from a worldly perspective. But guess what? He wasn't a victim. He was a victor. You know why he was a victor? Because he understood God's providence. I'm sorry, God's sovereignty, God's providence, and God's goodness. From this very moment, all of us need to take excuses about situations that have happened in the, in the past in our lives, ball them up, and throw them away, because I got news for you. 
God structured it exactly like that for a perfect reason. That doesn't mean you don't have issues. But what it does is it shapes you perfectly to be exactly what you need to be. How do you take a 17-year-old kid who probably had a little bit of an attitude because of the pretty robe his daddy gave him, and turn him into the prime minister of Egypt to protect the globe from a devastating famine, to save God's chosen people uh, on that lineage that led right up to Jesus. You take Joseph out of the way through that famine, oops, we got a little problem, but there's no problem because God's in perfect control. How do you take that, that, that the kid with the attitude and the robe and make him into a prime minister of Egypt? Guess what, folks? You can't, but God can. And there was not one hand dealt to Joseph along the way that wasn't dealt perfectly. It doesn't mean that Joseph wanted everything to happen just like it did. But when you meet Joseph in heaven, guess what? Joseph's not going to be sulking in a corner. Dang it, why did I end up in Potiphar's house? That wasn't fair. His wife was a jerk and she messed me up and I wasted two good years of my life. You know what he's going to say? It was perfect. Prison, it wasn't fun, but I needed to be in prison because I couldn't have been prime minister without prison. I couldn't take any event in Joseph's life and just tweak just one little bit of it. What are the chances that when Jacob said, Joseph, go check on your brothers? Why did he say it at right that moment? How did Joseph arrive? This is an 80-mile trip. It's not like he's saying, oh, based on the roads, that should be a 90-minute trip. No, there's a lot of variables when you walk 80 miles. How do you orchestrate it? So your dad sends you, and you arrive coincidentally just how when slave traders are passing by, when your brothers are about to kill you, and they take you by chance to the house of a man named Potiphar who just happened to be looking for a slave at that very moment in time. How do you orchestrate all of this? Guess what? You don't. God does. Do you realize the intimate involvement God has in each and every one of your lives? Think about it. Matt and Chris, when you were both born, what do you think the statistical odds were that you would get married? It's unfathomable. How many little variables could have happened, and this isn't even dealing with you being born, how many variables could have happened that could have changed that? We can't even count it. But guess what? They were getting married. Because that was God's perfect plan. Do you see, life is not a, life is not a game of chance. Life, is a, life is, is a journey under the omniscient, powerful, sovereign hand of God. And when we realize that fact, it's a whole lot more comfortable. Now, I struggle with that, and we'll open those cans next week. I struggle with it at times. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like God's in control. Sometimes it feels a little out of control. Or sometimes we start to think, well, maybe God's working against us for a moment of time instead of for us. We buy the sovereignty and the providence, but the goodness we struggle with. And Joseph struggled with that through his life. And the good thing about Joseph struggling with that is we can see how he got through. Here's the goal. When we finish this trip through the life of Joseph, we will more fully understand what it means that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all in control. And every day we wake up, we do, you know how we're told in the Bible, be anxious for nothing? Well, guess what, folks? When we understand God's sovereignty, providence, and goodness, we truly don't have to be anxious for anything. We envy the little two and three year old kids out with mom and dad and mom and dad say it's okay and they believe him and they're just smiling as the plane's crashing down to the ground. Well, guess what, folks? God tells us, it's okay, I got it. We're going to live better than two and three year old kids because when we're finished with the life of Joseph, you will see what it means that God is sovereign, providential, and truly good. Okay? That's your premise. That is the, the whole life of Joseph 
with an overview. And what we're going to do next week is we're going to get into one of the first events in Joseph's lives. We'll go into the, uh, well, I think we might change a little bit. We'll go into the slavery years. We're going to ask the question about if God is truly good, how do things like this happen? You want to know the, the first line I read that started me thinking about this so you can chew on it for next week? Remember what happened September 11, 2001, right? God's sovereign, God's providential, and God's good. How do you reconcile those two facts? Terrorist attack, all-powerful, all-loving, good God. Well, guess what I'm going to try to do next week? Not reconcile September 11th and God. Reconcile any seemingly bad event with an all-powerful, providential, good God. You know how I can do that? Because I read the life of Joseph. Let's pray. Father God, intellectually I think we can all grasp the fact that it's all yours, that you're in charge of it all, and that you're in control of it all. Intellectually, I think we can all grasp that you have a perfect plan for our lives. Intellectually, God, we can grasp that you're good, but the problem is, sometimes in our hearts, we question all those things. God, we want the whys. We want to know what you're up to specifically. And you don't always tell us. And that frustrates us. And it makes us doubt in question, and if we're honest at times, disbelieve the truths that the Bible teaches us. God, my prayer is beginning today and over the coming weeks that you would do a mighty work in our minds and more importantly in our hearts and help us understand you more fully. God, we know your desire is not to be a confusing God. You want us to get to know you intimately and you will reveal yourself to us intimately. You tell us that. But God, we need to pursue you for that to happen. I pray that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would give us a desire to pursue you as deeply and as fully as we can. And in that process, we would get to know who you really are. Not who we've made you into. Not the comfortable deity we've tried to create in your, create in your likeness. But rather, the real, unadulterated, uninterrupted God of the universe. God, will you help us understand why you don't always tell us why? Why sometimes you allow bad things to happen? Why sometimes it's uncomfortable that we may have to ask why you cause uncomfortable or bad things to happen directly? And in light of that, help us understand how you can be truly good. God, help us get to a point where we're willing to stretch our faith to those uncomfortable limits and not be afraid of what we find. Because we know what we find will be the truth. And the truth is revealed to us in the scriptures and through the life of Jesus. And that truth is the fact that you are truly good all the time. That everything you do has a perfect purpose. And that when we get to look back on the timeline, we're going to offer a lot of apologies up to you, God, for questioning how good you really were. But in the midst of this confusing life from our perspective, help us get a greater glimpse from yours. In the midst of the day-to-day -day monotony that we go through, in the midst of the baggage that we carry with us, in the midst of the confusion and uncertainties and hurts of the past, God, I pray that you would encourage us through this journey and help us more fully understand that you are in charge of it. Nothing happened by chance. It wasn't just dumb luck. It was your sovereign and providential hand on it, bathed in goodness, which allowed it, all for your glory and for our perfect good. God, I pray that as we look back over this uh, sermon series when we finish, that we will be different people, that we will be people who know you more, who love you more, who serve you more faithfully, because we are more confident in who you are 
and who we are in relationship to you. God, we can't fathom fully how much you love us. We will never understand what it meant for Jesus to come down from heaven and live on earth, to give his life for us. We will never understand the price that was paid fully. But God, we do know this. You love us. You care for us perfectly. And you are the only God. And you happen to be a good one. Praise you for that. Thank you, God, for hearing every word that we utter to you in prayer. I pray that what was ever spoken from you today would be deeply embedded in our hearts and whatever was not would be quickly forgotten. And I pray this day would be a day, a foundational day of change in all of our lives as we go through the life of Joseph. Thank you, God, for loving us, caring for us, protecting us, and guiding us. And thank you for covering that gap of sin in all of our lives through the blood of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.